People are walking around the world. They're lost. They're empty, not knowing why they're here. They're just existing. I'm in ministry every single day because God has called me to the prophetic. So they bring people that are suicidal, people that are, they bring out of gray lands. And my husband often ministers with me. People are lost. They don't know their purpose. They have no idea that this creator of heaven and life gave you all life for his purpose. See, we allow circumstances to take over us. We need to take our lives back. Do you know the devil hates you? Why do you want to sit at the dinner table with him? Don't sit at the dinner table with Satan and say, oh, I've got a long fork. You're still in his company. Really? He was in heaven. He's never, ever going back. Ever. His main objective is to keep everyone on earth going to heaven. He's been there. He knows what it's like. But he truly messed up. So he will never, ever go back to heaven. Peter 5 verse 8 says, The devil prowls around looking who he may devour. It doesn't say he will devour you. It says who he may devour. We must not give him permission. We have seen so many people with severe, severe depression that they, they live in a fog with, with tablets. But when you break that off them, and they then see the light of Jesus. We have seen lives transformed. We have seen people come. They haven't even done Bible college. They've been living in depression for 18, 20 years. And the Lord just releases them. It is incredible. Every one of you here called, anointed, appointed. But sometimes we need to change things in our life. If I've prophesied in your life you're going to be a pilot, you're not going to just go jump on a Qantas airplane and fly. No. You have to do the theory. You have to go do the practical. You have to spend hours and hours taking off, landing in the air. You need to go in that, what's that little machine called? The simulator. You need to do all those things. So people will often come to me and say, you prophesied that. And I'm going, yep. Then the Holy Spirit says, ask them what they're going to do to change. What are you going to do? And I know, I think I've prophesied for everybody in the church. So afterwards, do not come and tell me your word hasn't come to pass. I'm going to say to you, it's either the not the right God's timing or God is waiting for you to change something in your life. Amen. <laughs> Don't just walk around waiting for the one big promise God has given you. Do you know, I can prophesy and prophesy a heap to people. And you can see them going, swat, 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 swat. I want to hear I'm getting married. They don't hear anything else. And I'll meet up with them six months later or a year later and they'll go, I still haven't got my husband. I'm going, right, have you broken off from the current boyfriend? No, I'm just keeping him. Well, God's not going to send your new husband if you're still hanging around with your current boyfriend. We need to really move in power and authority. We have the power and authority of Jesus Christ. We just need to move in that. Sometimes it's with repentance. 
Sometimes it's with repentance. I know my breakthrough had to come through in life and forgiveness for my father after 20 years. And I spoke at the women's conference, so I'm not going to rehash it, ladies, but you know, 20 years my father was dead and I still could not forgive him. And every time a prophet came to me and he said, you need to forgive, you need to forgive, I said, Lord, I'm going to kick them in the kneecap if one more prophet tells me I need to forgive. But you know what? The next one came and he said, you need to forgive. And I was so angry. I thought, come on now, this has been years. But there's still a line. There was a line of unforgiveness in my heart. The day that I truly went and repented to God for carrying this unforgiveness and saying, Lord, I ask you for forgiveness and I repent and I bless my father in death. That's the day my life changed. See, I could have walked around and carried it and carried, which I was. I was carrying it. Sometimes God's just waiting for us to go on our knees and say, Lord, just tell me. And every one of you here hear from God. Every single one of you hears from the Holy Spirit. Everyone. People come to me and they go, I don't hear from God. I said, oh, well, this is my wisdom. You're not spending enough time with him. You don't spend enough time with God, you're not going to hear from him. You go down and you spend time with the Lord, you're going to hear from his Holy Spirit. And he will talk to you. If you've got a blockage in your life, and Pastor Matt, when he was up there in the, in the prayer room, as I walked in, he said, there's something hanging over you. And I think Haley said it as well. I felt it. There was this huge dome over this church when I walked in, but it's broken now. It's broken. Walk in power. Walk in authority. It's been given to you. So every one of us has a purpose for life and destiny. Your destiny is your personal path in life. That's your destiny. God shows you the destination, but he doesn't show you the process. And let me tell you, there's a process. I've often felt like, whoo, Lord, take this off. I'm refined. I'm all good. I'm so clean now. I'm so holy. I'm so poor, pure. No, that's, I'm done. And then you know what? I'll have another six months of this refining process. It hurts. It aches. It's sore. It's horrible. But I look back and I think, Lord, only you. Only you. And you know what I got through? And I'm standing here a better person than what I was 10 years ago. A better person than what I was Five years ago, we have such power. Many times when I say to people in life, what is your purpose in life? They say to be happy, and that's great. But what happens when a relationship breakup comes? You lose your job. You're in financial chaos that you can't breathe. Then happiness doesn't really count at that stage. Happiness really doesn't. That's when you need to know your purpose. And you can only know your purpose if you know the creator who gave you life. The same creator that formed the heavens, the earth that you and I, that his precious son Jesus died and shed his holy, pure blood on the cross for us. Once you really get to know him, that will be your breakthrough in life. Because God gives us all free will, all our own choices. And sometimes I say, Lord, you shouldn't have given us free will because you do some dumb things. I've done so many dumb things in my life, in the past, in the present. And you know what? I'm going to do more dumb things in the future. I know it. But when I go to the Lord and I say, Father, forgive me. 
I'm sorry what I said. I'm sorry what I did. I'm sorry that I judged. I'm sorry that I act like this. You know, you get up and you walk away, and then you do feel pure. You absolutely, you feel pure because we're created in his image. He wants us, he created us to live with him forever. He wants a personal relationship. Real Christianity is not religion. When people say to me, what religion are you? I say, I'm not. They say, are you not a pastor? I go, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, I have a relationship. Once you get out of religion and you know that God has called you to have a relationship with him, that's when things start shaking. We are not living in easy times. I was saying to someone the other day, turn the page of Revelation. They're now building the third temple in Jerusalem. The head of the imam of the Muslim community for the world has met with the Pope. They're claiming one religion. It's all in Revelation. Just turn another page. We are coming to end times, but Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit saw something in you, a strength in you that you don't even know you had. That's why we born here. We weren't born 100 years ago or 300 years ago. We were born now for such a time as this. He's going to do amazing things with us. Yes, we're going to face giants, many obstacles. There's always going to be obstacles. But the Lord says he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he sends us destiny helpers, destiny helpers to get through and lead you forward. Joseph's brother sold him into his destiny from the pit to Potiphar's house, to Pharaoh's side. If they never sold Joseph, he would have never got into to be standing next to Pharaoh. Mordecai was sitting outside the palace gate. His beautiful cousin that he looked after who was married to the king, she was sitting inside. If he never heard the whispers trying to overthrow the king, he would have not gone to his cousin Esther. So Mordecai went from being outside the gates to the king's chief minister. God allowed Mordecai to overhear the plot that placed him in his destiny in the palace. And through that, all the Jewish people were saved. Hannah was one of two wives. Panina was giving her husband children. And Hannah wasn't. And you know how we all Christians here, how Panina used to ridicule her? So I can imagine poor Hannah going into the temple every year with her offering, oh God, I'm not pregnant, why, why me, why her, why? The next year it would have been the same thing. God, Panina's got another baby and not me and why? And one day something changed in Hannah. She went in and she said, God, give me a son and I'll dedicate him to you. And God said, that's it. I've used Panana, I've used Panana to push you, Hannah, into your destiny. And that's when she gave birth to a son. And she went on to have another five children. God uses anyone to move into our destiny. Don't always think it's your brothers and and sisters in Christ that are going to come push you out. Sometimes it's not the brothers and uh, sisters in Christ that are going to push us out. But God sends anybody to push us into our destiny, and sometimes we need a push. 
Pharaoh had ordered the killing of every Hebrew son. At three months, when his mother could no longer hide him, she puts him in a basket, places him in the reeds at the riverbank. And Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, comes down to the river to bathe. And the reason, I used to always think, why would they bathe in the river? Because they used to dedicate themselves to the river gods. So she would have come and cleansed herself with the river gods because she obviously had a nice bath up at the palace. And she sees the baby and takes pity on him. And she says, this is one of the Hebrew babies. So she knows he's the Hebrew baby. And she draws him out the water and she calls him Moses, who name, whose name means drew him out the water. Moses' sister Miriam standing nearby watching all of this. And she runs up and she says to the princess, should I get one of the Hebrews women to nurse the baby for you? So she's now confirmed to the princess, this is your baby now, but I will get one of the Hebrew moms. And the princess says, yes. If you think about it, how did a little girl, who must have been 10, 11, 12, even get to talk to a princess? She was Hebrew. She was an Egyptian. But God made a way. She says, yes, bring the mother. Miriam runs and she gets her and Moses' mother and she's going to be the wet nurse for this baby. And what does the princess say? I will pay you. God's provision and opportunity. His provision and opportunity. Not only will I just breastfeed the baby, but you'll breastfeed the baby. I'll pay you to do it too. And through that, she got to teach him Hebrew laws and customs. See, destiny. Your destiny and your purpose goes hand in hand. So Moses gets raised in the palace with everything that royalty can offer. But then he sees an Egyptian beating a slave and he kills the Egyptian and he flees to the desert of Midian. He marries Sephora, the daughter of a shepherd, and has two sons. And then God appears to Moses as a burning bush and says, Moses, I am calling you. And I think this is like many of us. He gives God so many lame excuses why he couldn't be the one to deliver Israel. In Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children out of, out of Israel, out of, out of Egypt? What is Moses saying? He's saying, God, I'm not good enough. Verse 13, Moses says to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What should I say to them? So he's saying, God, I don't have all the answers. They can question me, and I don't have all the answers. And Exodus 4, verse 1, Then Moses answers and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. He's just saying, God, these people are not going to believe me. How many more excuses can this man give God, hey? But isn't that like us? Do you know God called me to be a pastor, an ordained pastor, eight years ago? You can ask my husband. The first church came and I said, no, I don't feel it's God's time. 
kept getting prophetic words. Two years later, I don't know if you know Chi An from America came and he said, we need, to, we need to ordain you as a pastor. And I said, no, don't feel it's right. Took another three prophets to push me into my destiny and said, God's going to call you to nations, but he wants you as a pastor because the, as soon as they call you to some places, they're going to ask, where's your paper? Where's your paper? And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. So I'm like Moses many of the times I was. So in chapter 10, in, sorry, in verse 10, he says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And So he's saying, God, you know I stutter. You know I stammer. You know this can't be me. And in verse 14, the Lord says, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in your heart. So God just responded in a righteous anger and says, Moses, stop with the excuses. I've chosen you. I'm sending you. I'm anointing you. I'm appointing you. I'm putting you in your destiny, and that will be your purpose. How awesome. The first 40 years were in Pharaoh's court, prepared Moses to lead. The next as a shepherd taught him about the desert. And the next 40 years in the desert, he was the leader of Israel. Destiny became purpose, and God gave the provision. Moses delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery that they'd been in for 400 years. And they walked in the desert seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. But God gives Moses... An instruction that Joshua will receive the mantle and lead the people into the promised land, not Moses. See, they only had to walk 11 days from Egypt to find the promised land, but it took 40 years. 40 years. It was actually just 11 days. The Lord first had to let that generation die because even though they were removed From Egypt, they were still slaves in their minds. They were still slaves in their minds. That's why the Lord chose the new generation of Joshua. They didn't get the whippings. They never saw what was going down in in Egypt. They were children. So all they grew up seeing is signs, wonders, miracles. The ocean split. So Moses knew in advance the day of his death. He also knew he had never set foot in the promised land. He climbed Mount Nebo and he died. And God buried Moses on that mountain. But Moses' life was first spared by the two midwives that refused to kill the babies when they were born under the order of Pharaoh. They feared God. And when his mother took the risk of sending him a basket down the river, nowhere in the word does it say she has a guarantee from God that his life would be spared. doesn't say it at all. I've gone and I've seen, I've checked the Hebrew, I've checked everything. Nowhere. She just did it in faith. Sometimes when God seems silent and we think he's not working, know that he's always working behind the scenes. 
His word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's always working behind the scenes. Your life is not an accident. I have prayed for many people who were given up for adoption or spent their whole lives in foster homes. I said, your mother or your father might think you're an accident, but not to God. There is no accident. You were given life. God, even if your family wasn't serving him, my family served Satan for generations and generations. They were Freemasons. My grandfather was very high up in Freemasonry. We went back, our deliverance ministry, when I say, say satanic worship, they were gi- giving babies, newborn babies, to be killed. But yet through all of this, God was breathing into my lineage that I could stand here as a prophet and a pastor for Jesus Christ. He's breathing in every one of your lineage too. Through all God calls Moses to do, he recognized Moses in Numbers 12 verse 3 as a very humble man more humble than anyone else on the the face of the earth. What a statement and a testimony to who Moses was. Truly, to go through all of that. But he feared and he honored God. Moses knew his, his, his purpose. Can you imagine cruising around the desert for 40 years with these people whining behind you? Yeah, we don't want manna. Okay, God will bring quail. Oh, it's not warm enough. No, I'm vegan today. Well, let's go back to the manna. Can you imagine? And then the Lord says, Moses, because you threw a tantrum, you know what? You're not going to go into the promised land. Nowhere does it say, Moses said, why, God, I've... Nowhere. He accepted it. He went up to the mountain and he died. He had a fear and a love and honor for Almighty God. You have to take hold of your destiny, but you need to establish it in Jesus Christ. God's purpose for us gives opportunities, and he gives provision. And provision isn't always money. I am not the pastor that does the grace, 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 money. I do not do that. I go what's biblical, what the Lord tells me. Every single church I go into, I sit for days before, and I asked the Holy Spirit, what word do you want for this church? And every Sunday I'm in a different church, and every Sunday I give a different message. Otherwise, my husband and son would be so bored if I had to give the same message every Sunday. So every message that for a specific church is for you. This message to know your purpose that you've been anointed and appointed by Almighty God for a time like this, that your life is not an accident, that you're meant to be here. Church, this word is for you today, only for you. The word destiny means things that will happen in the future. That's what the word destiny means. The word purpose means why you do something or why something exists. You got that? God did not create us because he was lonely. I've asked many Christians, as many mature Christians, I said, why do you think God created us? He said he was lonely. I went, hmm, no. 
No, he wasn't lonely. He knew how we, we were going to be. He knew we were going to mess up. He had Jesus Christ with him since the beginning of times. He had the Holy Spirit with him. He chose to create you out of love. Out of his great love. His word says he loved us before he even created us. He created us to fulfill his eternal plan. And I say every time I preach, not everybody's going to be an ordained reverend, an ordained pastor. But every one of you are ordained ministers. Because does he not say in his word, when you give your life to him, go out and tell the world. I cannot imagine dying and going before the the father, the judge one day, because there's a judge. There's a courts in heaven. So if there's courts in heaven, the Lord has to be a judge. God has to be a judge. And he goes, why did you miss those people? I never want to miss anybody. And neither should any of you. Go and minister the word of God. That's what he's called you all for, to be ministers. Many have come from very different backgrounds, addictions, pornography, abuse, rape. Let's just call it what it is, all these softening of the words today. Many have come from that. But when you find Jesus and you know the love of God the Father, the love of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit who lives in us, it has to change your life. When we lived in the Middle East, we had a, a person that was a Christian that turned to Islam. I said, you weren't a Christian. If you know the living God, you can never, ever walk away from him. I said to him, I think you're a bum warmer. A seat warmer in church on a Sunday. That's what you are. You go in, you put your little bum down, and you just warm the seat, and you walk out, and God is as dead as he was before you walked in. You cannot not have your life changed because you have the living Jesus Christ in you, his Holy Spirit in you. Your life has to change. Yes, life is difficult. Oh, my goodness. But you will get through it because this holy book of his gives us so many promises, so many promises. Your purpose is because God gave you life. The reason you are is because he is. I'm going to say this again. The reason you are is because he is. Now, I'm going to end with prayer. Matt is probably thinking, well, I only give what the Holy Spirit gives me. I had a pastor when I was in Poland. He said, I want you to preach for an hour and a half. I said, I'll preach for however long the Holy Spirit gives me. I really don't listen to man. Yes, I respect authority, but I can only do what the Holy Spirit gives. Sometimes I'll go into a church and he'll let me preach for an hour. But I think today you all got the message. You've been called, anointed, and pointed to do greater things for Jesus Christ. And don't think everybody's going to be up here with a microphone. That's not what it's about. First sort out in your life what you have to sort out. There's no shame going to God on your knees and repenting. And let me tell you, when you start and say, Lord, what do I need to repent for? He'll give it to you. And you'll know it. You might flick it off, but you'll eventually say, God, I forgive what I did. I forgive the hurt I call. I forgive this. You will get it. 
and then let God start using you. And there's so many different ways in the church to be used. You know, even putting the tea and coffee cups out, if you don't do it, who else will do it? Some people just walk past, right past the tea and coffee table, oh, no coffee today. But they never think, who, who does it? Who's there? Every role, every role in the body of, of Christ is important. God sees everything we do, everything. So I just pray that each one of you find your purpose for your calling, what God has placed in you. As with the giftings he places in you, he places the ability to be useful. That never will fear, unbelief, or believing you're not good enough hold you back. And I feel there's so many people here thinking they're not good enough. You are good enough. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom and bravery and guides you. Let us seek after you, Lord. And I pray you deposit grace and dependence in every one of your sons and daughters here. Lord, you gave us life to be on earth in these times. We may not see our strength, but you see our strength. Fill us, mighty God. There's no mistakes, only divine appointments. Lift every son and lift every daughter here today and let them walk out in freedom, knowing no no, no matter what the struggle, you have got them and you will lead them through it. We give you praise and honor and glory in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.